Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. Sophia Bush is an actor, director, producer, and activist. She is widely known for using social media and her platform to push forward important policy and social justice issues. At her last Ingoop Health Wellness Summit, I got the chance to sit down with her. We talked about how she navigates the press and publicity and the double-edged sword that is social media. Sophia told me what she's learned from asserting herself as a successful woman. She's unapologetically herself, and I think we could all learn something from her there. And I love that Sophia is inspiring other people to educate themselves, step up, and plug into spaces that make us feel curious. She reminds us that above everything, we need to be working in service to the planet and each other. It's really important that we apply our best practices of care in our community to ourselves. Because if we don't, we burn out and then we fail to be present. We fail to show up to fight. We fail to organize. We fail to door knock for the next election. Hint, hint. We, you know, we, we fail when we burn out. Okay, let's get to my conversation with Sophia Bush. This is Sophia Bush. If you don't know her, I love you dearly. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. She is not only an actress, which is probably what you're best known for, although I think you're quickly becoming known for being an activist, maybe even more. Is that the goal? I mean, I don't hate that. Right. You know, one I think is you, you can have a job in an industry where you're known for your job, or, or you can, I think, in this ever-evolving world that's filled with social media and the opportunity to have conversations, you can begin to be known for who you are as a person, mm-hmm. which I think is so much greater than what any of us does. Right. It's so that's kind of nice. Yeah. Because I feel like probably I knew you when you were a young actress. You were actually on the cover. We've talked about this, but on the cover of Lucky. I didn't write the story, but I used to work at Lucky Magazine. And I, I loved that magazine. Oh, God. And it was One Tree Hill and you were married as a, you were like, what, 21? We've all done some stupid <laughs> shit in our lives, right? <laughs> Anytime you're like, am I blowing it? Just remember that your friend on stage did something worse than you'll ever do. And it'll be fine. <laughs> Better than fine. But what is it like to be a young actress and then sort of evolve your storyline? What do you mean? Like this idea that people perceive you as one way, right? Oh, yeah. And one thing. And now you are becoming something quite different. I mean, I feel like I still fight that, yeah. you know, even to your point. People want to ask me about an ill-fated relationship I was in when I was 21. Sorry. A lot. It's okay. (laughs) 
But it's it's interesting to me where I go like, do you want to talk about the idiot that you dated your senior year in college when you're an adult with a career who's, you know, worked on committees with the first lady and worked at the White House? And so it's 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 a weird thing, I think, what our business does. And you and I can joke because we're friends, mm-hmm. but I think that regardless of what industry you work in as a woman, you're very often reduced to the thing that's the least interesting about you because it makes other people feel comfortable when they're in the presence of successful women mm. to kind of shrink them in ways. And I don't, I don't understand the propensity for that sort of in my industry. And I think for me, when I was young, you know, I went from being the philanthropy chair of a sorority at USC to being the star of a television show over the span of four months. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy and amazing and really stressful. And the press is kind of traumatic. And this was in the days of Perez Hilton and just Jared launching. So like everything was a gossip site and everyone was just so nasty to each other. And for me, what began happening over time was that as as the advent of social media hit, I first said, I want no more intrusion into my existence and I don't give a shit about your breakfast photos. And the irony being that I follow so many food blogs on Instagram now, I'm like, I care the most about your (laughs) breakfast photos. I care so much. I was lying. Um, But I I was so horrified by the idea that there could be even more scrutiny and even more of a story that I couldn't control and even more of you know, who is, who is this person dating rather than who is this person or what is this person doing in the world? And then I realized when Deepwater Horizon happened and I flew to Gulf Shores, I was on the ground in Louisiana and I realized that everything we were being told on the news was this tiny fraction of the truth and that we were really being lied to and that there was a version of martial law happening in America and the news wasn't talking about it. And I realized my Twitter feed could be my own news channel. And as a journalism major, this was a really exciting realization. And and in a way, that aha moment changed everything for me because it let me take my advocacy. It let me take the, the, the reality that when that disaster happened, I was working with a team of environmental lawyers for years, but it let me lead with that. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it really gave me my power back. My voice became unsquashable. That's not to say people don't try to squash it all the time, but I'm like, do you really want to? Okay, let's go. This will be fun. Uh, you want to have a debate about foreign policy with me? Okay, we could do that too. You know, it, it really, it gives you the ability to take your power back in a way. So for the dumpster fire that the internet is, I think it's also really incredible for that reason. And what did that feel like? Like, getting into your Twitter handle and leveraging it. And obviously I primarily, I follow you on Instagram primarily and you're out, you're there all the time. How do you respond when people attack you? Do you even look? Cause I know you, res- I, you, res- you respond to your, your people. Yeah, I really try to, I try to be really cognizant. You know, it's a two way conversation. Mm-hmm. I also have to be frank about being a human. You know, I, I recently joined this pretty amazing platform that lets you one-to-one text with people. And my commitment is I'll text 10 people back a day. And every once in a while in the first 10 text messages, someone's like, I can't believe I get all these texts from you and you never respond. This is bullshit. And I'm like, 
cool. I mean, today was your lucky day, but because you're mad that I gave my phone number to 5 million people and I can't possibly respond to all of you, you wanted to like sass me. Okay, I hope you have a good Wednesday. And then people are so horrified because they forget that there is a person on the end of any of these platforms. Mm -hmm. And some of them I have to ignore. Some of them I have to report. It's a weird thing that I now have a running photo stream that has two police officers and an FBI officer on it. And whenever I get a death threat or a threat to my safety, I just screen grab it and dump it in the photo stream. I'm like, tech is weird. Cause this, the ability to have this photo stream helps keep me safe, but also tech is what's opening me up to these threats. I, I don't know. It's a very weird world mm-hmm. to navigate, but by and large, what's amazing about being so clear about what I believe in and about who I am on the internet is that it means that my audience is really engaged, really committed, really cares. They're there for a reason. They're not there for like bikini selfies. Mm -hmm. They're there because yeah, every once in a while I'm going to post some fashion and some food, but I'm also going to talk to you about what's happening in local elections, what's going on across the country, what's happening with impeachment. You know, I have the ability to use my feed as a megaphone to help cut through the noise. Mm-hmm. And I just happen to be enough of a data nerd and, and a politically obsessed person that I have access to a lot of information, which I hold as a responsibility to read and then regurgitate in ways that are helpful to my audience. Mm-hmm. So everyone who rocks with me, rocks with me all the way. <laughs> I don't have I don't have any kind of like pseudo-engaged follower that doesn't exist because people who are like maybe she'll be doing a lot of bts content i do that from work but if they think that's all it's going to be they very quickly unfollow me people are like could you be less political i'm like no this is my page this isn't a show this isn't a thing that i'm making for you this is my space Mm -hmm. and again i think that that is a luxury it can be tricky i imagine that everyone here is an entrepreneur of some kind And it can be tricky as a businesswoman to be as political as I am. There's plenty of brands who've sat at tables with me and said, we would love to hire you. Could you just dial it back 50%? No. Mm -hmm. No, I cannot. Yeah. Hire someone else. (laughs) And, And, you know, that's not always an easy pill to swallow. But I have to be able to look myself in the mirror at night and... You know, once we get past the, like, prerequisite of, like, where did that zit come from? I have to like who I see. (laughs) So it feels important for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're seeing this in business everywhere, particularly millennial and Gen Y, who I know everyone loves to mock, but they're clearly our future and are, in many ways, far more evolved than we are. But there is a certain holding of businesses accountable in terms of their values. And are they being silent or are they speaking up? And where do we put our money and our attention? And I can imagine a future where this also starts to, if it hasn't already, it goes to people with platforms. And, you know, many celebrities, many people with followings are reticent to engage. Clearly, many of them are involved or interested behind the scenes, but they're terrified, probably in part because of trolls and market share and and premieres and does that frustrate you like how do you walk people out of the closet I mean yes and no I have to be clear I've had things written to me on the internet that have quite literally caused me to lose sleep at night I've had nights where I have not been able to sleep because of something that I've read or something that has been said to me it's not pleasant Mm -hmm. and it's not a a small thing to consider 
So when I encounter people in my industry or your industry who say, I just don't want to get that political, I get it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's up to them. It's not my job to say, well, look at all the stuff I post about. You should be posting more. It's like, give me a break. There's plenty of people who do a better job of it than me. So who am I to tell someone that they're not doing well enough? Right. But I do think that what has been great is that over all the years that I've been as political as I am, I've continued working. I'm doing all sorts of things that I'm passionate about and that I believe in and working on great TV shows and great films and, you know, launching a podcast and doing all these things that I love. And so a lot of people who a few years ago said, I'm just really afraid, come back around and say, okay, where do I start? What do you think is the thing I start posting with? And those are my favorite text messages to get. I'm like, yes. So I'd I'd much rather support people and meet them where they are Mm -hmm. than rip them apart for what they're not doing. I do reserve the right to say, however, I do not apply that warm and fuzzy feeling to our elected officials who are a bunch of trash monsters. Uh, (laughs) I will call them out on exactly what they're doing wrong every single minute of every single day and not feel bad about it because they're failing. Mm -hmm. And they've gone into a world where they're supposed to serve us. And right now... It's like they're playing the worst game of Clue that I've ever seen played in my life. And it affects all of us, mm-hmm. you know, out here in the real world. So I, I think it's incredibly important that we demand more of elected officials. And I think it's also simultaneously really important that we look around at our communities, whether they're our physical communities or our digital communities, and we give people a little bit of grace. Yeah, And we try to call them in more often than we just call them out and and chase them out of the room. Yeah. Because if we welcomed more people into the room, if we sat more people at the table, I think we'd be making more of a substantial difference more quickly. So Marianne Williamson's coming tonight. Gwyneth's interviewing her, and I had her on the podcast sort of long before she decided to run. So I'm going to caveat my question, because I asked her this question and she thrashed me. I asked her, essentially, I was like, it's so, this is so exhausting and this feels so hard. And like, how do you encourage people to sort of lean in and lean out? And she essentially was like, that is the most privileged question you could possibly ask because as a white woman, like you can lean out and many people do not have that privilege, which was very fair. So I'm caveating that. But as someone who is very involved and engaged in the news all the time, how do you take care of yourself and how are you not so depleted that you can't keep going? I've gotten really, really depleted. I'm on the verge of really depleted right now. Mm-hmm. And I had to fly to Europe for some work. And I was very cognizant knowing that I was sort of teetering on that edge for myself. I called one of my best friends. I said, you're coming with me. And we're going to have about five hours to ourselves on a Tuesday in London, and we're going to the Tate. I was like, we are going to an art exhibition. If it kills me, I I needed it. Mm -hmm. And there is, I think, a real value in leaning on your community, taking a day off of your phone. Art could be an exhibition at a modern museum, me, or a hike in the woods, also one of my favorite things, which is free, (laughs) which is also ideal. We really need to plug into beauty. We need to plug into spaces that make us feel curious. One of my favorite things about being out in nature is that it reminds me how small we are. 
And not to be morbid, but when I watch, you know, when I'm hiking through a forest and I look at the way leaves are falling on the ground and things are decomposing and, you know, logs are turning into new life. I'm like, the planet is going to take care of it, of itself, even if it kills us all. Great. And I know that's morbid, but it really reminds me that the system is so much bigger. And if we're not working in service to the planet, in service to each other, in service to the thing that's bigger, then it's our fault if we blow it. Mm-hmm. And And I actually think that For me, that framework feels really hopeful. It really reminds me of how to prioritize. And I need those check-ins in order to stay prioritized, in order to stay invested. And while I understand Marianne's point, it is an absolute position of privilege to say, like, I took a day off. Okay, but all of us in some relative way have the ability to take a step back. Mm -hmm. Even if it's for an hour, if it's to share a meal with your family, if it's to go for a 15-minute walk, you know, in the middle of your day, I think all of us need to be reminded that it's okay to take care of ourselves. This is a marathon that we're running here, Mm -hmm. you know, and the, the exciting thing to me is that we're running it as a relay. You know, we're running it as this great big team if we're paying attention. Totally. But it's still a really, really long race. You know, people always say, well, life is just too short to settle for X. And I'm like, sure, but life is also way too fucking long to settle for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a long time that we're here. And I think it's incredibly important to take care of ourselves in the midst of this, to create some kind of practice of self-care, you know, I had my therapist say something to me a couple of years ago and hello, I I think, first of all, if you have the ability, please go to therapy. It's very important. But my therapist said something to me when I was talking about feeling really overwhelmed and not quite knowing how to manage my time and what do I prioritize? And there's 40 things on the to-do list every day and I only get through the top 10 and when am I ever going to feel like I catch up? And a friend of, one of our best friends had just had a baby. And I was talking to her about this day that we spent with our friend's then brand new infant son. And she said, would you ever over schedule that baby? No. Would you ever feed him crappy food and not let him sleep? No. Would you ever make him sit in an environment that was toxic to his mental, physical, or emotional health? No. And she said, okay, so you know how to love someone wholly. Why can't you treat yourself that way? And I was like, I feel attacked. (laughs) I paid for this calling out and I don't know how it's resonating with me. But she was right. You know, it's really important that we apply our best practices of care in our community to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, we burn out and then we fail to be present. We fail to show up to fight. We fail to organize. We fail to door knock for the next election. Hint, hint. We, you know, we, we fail when we burn out. Yeah. No, I think as, I know we have some men, thank you. But as women, I think we all understand what that feels like potentially even more just to be empty and tapped out. So for those friends who are celebrities or not, like, 
where do you want people to start? I know you're very involved with I am a voter. I'm assuming everyone's registered to vote. So here's the thing. Everyone I talk to thinks they're registered to vote. And then when they check their registration are often very surprised to find out that they've been bumped off of a voter roll for something very small. So we, the co-founders of I Am A Voter, of which I am one, built a really easy resource for everyone. You can take out your phone. And by the way, this is not going to sign you up for something that's going to ruin your life. It's like the least text information you'll ever receive, but it's important. So if you take out your phone and you text voter to 26797, it's 26797. Just text the word voter and our automated system will check your registration for you. And if you're not registered, you can register to vote. And if you are registered by your zip code, it'll send you the next quick bullet information you need for your next local election. So even if you're sure you're registered, text voter to 26797 and you'll get information on your next election and we'll help you with anything that you need. And I promise we won't blow up your phones and it's not going to any like creepy data center. It's us. And as you know, I don't have time to get back to all my text messages. So you're never going to get anything extra from me anyway. (laughs) Voting is, it's, it's, it's just so huge. So when we start to think about priorities and we think about where we want the world to go and, and maybe we want to fix things that like the boomer generation broke for us, like the housing market and college debt, we really need to show up and exercise our right to vote. And so that's why we built our, our little text check for you. And it's why we're out there really making sure that people know what's at stake in their local elections. It's why I'm campaigning starting at the beginning of 2020 for an incredible man who's running for a judgeship in Los Angeles because the judges matter in our states. Mm. These are things that we forget about a lot when we're looking at the presidential election, but it was exciting to see how we turned out in the midterms. I think we did a pretty great job in 2018. I wish we had just like gone a little farther and flipped the Senate so that we'd have some sort of check on this insane abuse of power, but we're getting closer. And I do believe in us. I believe that this next election, we have a chance to really right the ship and, and go back to maybe having policy debates more than debates on humanity and people's rights to exist. I would like to think that in 2020 we're past that, but the baton was handed to someone who isn't. So we as a country don't get to be. And I think, as you pointed out, the justice system, I think that it has slowly been turned while we just haven't been paying attention and state electorates have been turned while we haven't been paying attention. And the justice system is so important, particularly, I mean, beyond checks on on Trump, but we think about all the innocent people, primarily men of color sitting on death row. We think about miscarriages of justice at the border, and that's where it's all happening, and there is no avenue to fix it aside from ensuring that we're paying attention. And, you know, democracy is actually an action verb. It only works if we work it. Yeah. And it's important for us to, rather than watching the news and feeling overwhelmed, to do a little bit of research and feel empowered. There's nothing that makes me feel like more of a badass than when I spend a few hours on a Sunday 
going through everything and I'm like, who needs to talk? Who needs information? Let's get into it. <laughs> I, I think we have to kind of flip this perspective on its head and rather than think, oh, I've got to go read that booklet or, you know, do a little research online so I can go vote. It's like, I get to read the thing and do the research and educate myself for free, by the way. Our parents didn't have that. Mm -hmm. You know, when my mom was my age, she couldn't Google something. And so I, I think it's actually really exciting that we get to show up and participate in a system. And I think enough of us have been shaken awake to realize that if we assume that the adults in the room are going to do it, like, look around, we're the adults now. I don't know when that happened, but <laughs> I am an officially an adult. And I understand that this is part of my responsibility. Yeah, no, it's true. So I love your voice, as you know, and I love you. And you are often in my head in my most sacred place, which is Costco. Every time <laughs> I go to Costco, I put on work in progress. I don't know if you guys have heard Sophia's podcast, but you first guest, Gloria Steinem. I'm so mad, like desperate. You don't understand how many. I'm like, please. My mom went on Donahue with Gloria Steinem no. to talk about her fear of be being a bag lady when um, Gloria had Ms. Magazine. So I really want to talk to her. Okay. We'll make it happen. We have a Next week, we're having a thing. Okay. So why, why did you want to do a podcast? I mean, I can guess because it's so fun, but why? I just think that they are the most exciting spaces right now. I love nothing more, as you know, than a long conversation with interesting people. Mm -hmm. And podcasts provide a platform, especially for a person like me who will go off on a diatribe and, you know, write a political essay on Instagram. It's like, that's cool. But what if I could have that conversation for an hour with someone and really dive into what they believe and what they fight for and how they became an activist or how they launched their business or whatever it may be. And I found that I spend all my free time listening to podcasts. And then I went on some podcasts and the producers of those podcasts were like, have you seen the data? When I love nothing more than a graph. So they start sending me the data of these spike in the downloads on their podcasts when we would have these very vulnerable conversations, which I then learned are apparently uncommon, but I'm like, this is the only way I know how to speak. I'm sorry. Or I guess I'm not. And I thought, oh, all these people who've been telling me I should do this for a while, now I have the proof in the math that this is really working. How cool. And so I started calling up people. This is a crazy thing to say. I called Gloria Steinem and said, will you come on my podcast? And she said, sure. Bizarre. And our interview was just so great that then I called her back and said, can I please launch ours as our first episode? It would be my honor. To which she said, sure, which again, crazy. And you came on the podcast. Ours hasn't aired yet, but it's coming, coming very soon. soon and it's very good. And it's just really been so much fun to have conversations with people that are personal and vulnerable and frank and we get into professional things and a lot of people are saying, you know, I learned how to do this for my business or this gave me the confidence to launch this platform I'd been working on or whatever, which is the best feedback. And then we also get to get cause-based, we get to get political, but it's curious and, I, and I'm really proud that it's very welcoming and very inclusive and, and that people will write to us and say, I finally learned about this in a way that didn't make me feel stupid. Or I had a guy, this guy from Tennessee, it was like, look, 
I got to be honest, I got, I started following you because my girlfriend made me watch One Tree Hill and then I got really into One Tree Hill. He was like, but don't tell anybody. I won't tell you his name, so I'm technically not telling anybody. And he said, you know, and I get really frustrated by a lot of the stuff that you put online. And then I started listening to your podcast and I realized I actually agree with about 95% of what you say. And I'm excited about this. Mm. And I just thought, wow. So there's something magical that happens in conversation where we get to see each other, where we really get to get into who one another is as a person, and we stop doing this terrible thing, which culture is doing right now, which is identify you're on that team and I'm on this team. It's like we're really all on the same team. Right. You know, people want us to think we're on different teams, whether they're red or blue or progressive or Republican or whatever. Because it's good for ratings, because it sells merch on weird political websites, but it's really undermining us. Mm -hmm. And so something special is happening in these spaces of conversation. And, and in a way, I think that it's a really incredible way for me to spend my privilege in another way. Not everybody gets to text Gloria Steinem. No, but I want her number. I mean, we can send her a video <laughs> after our chat. She loves that, you know. But I can offer a window into her for people. Yeah. And, and for so many incredible educators and entrepreneurs and, and elected officials. And it just feels very exciting. And yeah, yeah it's, it's probably the thing that I've done in my life that I am the most proud of. Oh, and you're going to keep doing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. I am not going anywhere. I actually just interviewed my favorite professor from USC who is, he runs this incredible initiative at the Annenberg School. And I was at the Annenberg School as a journalism student. And he came on the podcast and it was this crazy moment for us. Full circle. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And he just said, you've always been a journalist. And I was like, yeah, look at that. Yeah. You're right. I will remember on one episode, you were talking about how journalism for you allowed you, like, sort of impelled your acting and yeah. you learned about story. And then as you've grown up and had all these other experiences, do you still feel like you need to tap? I mean, clearly you do. You like tapping into other people's experiences. Is that just to expand your own humanity or because you're curious? I'm really curious my one of my best friends is in the front row and we became friends because we've been saying 10 years for a really long time we don't know how long it's been over a decade ago we were at a conference together and as she tells the story this was before conferences were a thing you know and she said to someone she was there where she goes why is that girl from tv here taking notes like it's her job <laughs> She came up and cracked a joke about my note-taking later, and I went, do you want me to photocopy them for you? And that was just, like, our best friendship was born. But it's, it's just, that's just my favorite thing to do. Like, I, I finished a film in New York in the spring and flew straight to Boston to go to a three-day convening at Harvard, and I took an entire, like a, like a whole journal's worth of notes, and everyone that I was sitting with made fun of me also. But I was like, you're going to want copies of these. I know. I know. Well, and that's the best way to like get it into your head. You got to write it down. I just, I just want to learn everything about everyone. I want to hear about your experience. I want to know what works for you in your community, what doesn't. I think that's why politics, when it works, elected officials, when they're great, make me so excited. It's why I really want to understand those systems because that's really what controls 
the way we all get to move in the world around us. Who are you really excited about? Whether you want them to Uh, be the candidate or not, but like who gets you? I have been doing this thing where it's like, you know, when when people fill out March Madness for basketball, it's like the 2020 election right now is my March Madness of the White House cabinet. I'm like, everybody gets a cabinet position. I'm like, I'm in my head, I'm, I'm fantasizing like I'm Oprah when she's like, you get a car and you get a car. <laughs> I'm like, you're Secretary of State and you're Secretary of the Interior. <laughs> At this point, I'm going to be frank, I'm going to support whoever the candidate is. Mm-hmm. Any of them. I have my favorites. I... I especially, when I look at some long-time, I guess you could call them career politicians, it's impossible to look at someone's history if they've been in the political arena for as long as some of these candidates have and not have major qualms with some policy mm-hmm. that they have been a part of. I also, in my personal life, have some qualms with how some people are acknowledging or not acknowledging problematic policies that they were a part of. But... This is like a code red to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be out there stumping no matter what. I'm just going to be clear. I love Elizabeth Warren with like a fire that I can't explain to you. I just, she has an answer for everything and I love her. And I know that there are plenty of people who say, well, you're never going to get guys over 50 to vote for her. I'm like, well, they need to wake up or sit the fuck down. I similarly love Kamala. I've been able to spend some really incredible time with her. I think that she is brilliant. I think that she really understands so much of the way our government works and and her, it's interesting, she's now getting sort of roasted for her history as a prosecutor, but no one's actually looking at the conviction rates that were steadily declining while she was in charge because she was doing the work. No matter what, women are going to get raked for something, whether they deserve it or not. I think Mayor Pete is very exciting in a lot of ways. I, and I could go down the line, you know. I, I have spent FaceTime at this point with 17 of 20 candidates and really asked them important questions. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think anybody's perfect, but I think that this, I think that this obsession with, you know, somebody has to be the rock star of the political arena and, and be perfect on every level or we're not going to vote for them. It's like, that's how we wound up with Donald Trump. Right. So I, I would love for us to not do that again. And I'm going to try my absolute hardest for whomever our candidate is to make sure that we do better in 2020. Yeah. What's always interesting to me too, and with politics and voting records, that I, I fully understand why it's a good litmus test for how they might represent us in the future. But it also negates the idea that we're all changing and evolving and that, you know, we've, as, you, as we open the conversation, we've all done regrettable things. But it's, we don't always give people, we don't always allow them to evolve which I think is, I don't know what the antidote to that is, but I wish, I, and I kind of hate the word authentic, but it's like, I wish people could speak more bravely and with more vulnerability about things that they've done that they've regretted. Yeah, because everyone's done something or many things that they regret. Yeah. Whether you're a politician or a, it, does, it doesn't matter. We all, Unfortunately, we learn through mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mentioned one of mine earlier. We all learn through mistakes. It's like, I wish that we didn't have to, but that's how it works. And I think it's really important to let people acknowledge what they wish they'd done differently. And part of what I would like to see certain candidates doing better is wholly acknowledging mm-hmm. that if they had known then what they knew now, with, you know, the research and the data science and the metrics, 
post some of those decisions that they would have yeah. done it differently. But I think a lot of people in the political arena are so afraid of being human because the minute you show any weakness, you get attacked for it, which doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I, I, want, I want my president. I want whoever is running my state, you know, Congress, Senate. I want those people to be human. I want them to have experiences. I want them to care about my experiences and your experiences. Do you think that's paradigms like breaking apart and dying? I think for a lot of us it is, but it would be ignorant of us to assume that that's true across the board. Right. You know, there's still a lot of people who vote because they say they would or would not want to have a beer with a candidate. And I'm like, have a beer with your best friend and let the candidate run the country. Hello? But that's, that's a real feeling. That's a real sort of visceral response that people have in this arena. And if we start discrediting or discounting people's responses or feelings because they're not our own, that's where we get into a lot of trouble, I think. So what has, what are the seminal, I know we're almost out of time, but like what are the seminal moments and events for you that have been catalysts to make you who you are? And I know like work in progress is the title of your podcast and that's sort of one of your mantras or the way that you live. But like what, what are you working, like what do you feel like you've moved past and what are you working on now? I'm still working on everything. I think there's this idea that if we meditate enough and we like drink enough turmeric tea and we sleep eight hours and we do all the things we know we're supposed to do, that we're going to wake up one day and go, oh, look at, look at that. The switch flipped. And now I just feel amazing. It's like, that's never been my experience anyway. Mine is like, I'm on a, I'm on, I'm holding onto the pendulum, like swinging from side to side, praying I don't fall off. And for me, I'm working on time management. I'm working on how do I manage all of this information? How do I keep up with the news? How do I keep up with politics, both domestic and foreign? How do I respond to text messages? I have 204 unanswered text messages in my phone and they're so far down in the text window. I don't even know where they are. I don't know how they accumulated. And I look at them sometimes and I'm like, I feel really bad that all of those people are probably pissed at me and I don't know how to find them. This is like a thing. If there's anyone here from Apple, you like in your call log, you can go all calls or missed calls. Why in texts? We can't say all call, all texts or unread texts. Hello. It's a great Feels like idea. iOS 11 should have figured this out by now. You're welcome. I am trying to figure out how to not eat things I know are bad for me that are just so delicious. Mm, like what? Like cheese. Mm. It's really hard for me. Like really hard. That's my thing. My too. family is Italian. Burrata is my love language. I also happen to be asthmatic. So when I eat cheese, I can't breathe. And it's a really horrible, it's like a toxic relationship that my lungs <laughs> and the cheese are in and I don't know what to do about it. I am trying to figure out how to prioritize better. But as a curious person, I want to do all the things. I want to take all the meetings. I want to read all the books. I am at a point now, I just did a clean out of books. So it made the metrics appear worse because I figured, well, any book that I've read should be donated. So now just all the books are books I haven't read. So I probably am reading one book for every 10 that I order, which is terrible. But like, where do we get the time? So sometimes I get the book and then I realize I want to read it and I don't have time to read it. And then I download the audio book and then I'm trying to, 
I don't Good for know. the book business. I'm it's happy great. about that. Oh, by the way, I also subscribe <laughs> to every newspaper on the planet. Like, please pay journalists. Please subscribe to The New Yorker. Like, if it hadn't been for them, mm-hmm. Harvey would have been buried. NBC buried the story. If Ronan Farrow had not taken the Harvey Weinstein story to The New Yorker, we wouldn't have it. So please pay journalists. Also, if you haven't read Ronan's book, you should. It's amazing. Those things all feel really important. But I also feel, again, like there's 40 things to do every day and I'm getting through the first 10. Someone recently (laughs) said to me that I should hire a productivity coach. I was like, when am I going to have the call with the coach? (laughs) But maybe that's the point. I don't know. So I feel like I'm trying to learn how to streamline a little bit, how to say yes to the right things, and maybe say no to some of the things that aren't fulfilling the bigger goal. But it's hard, man. It's hard. Adulting is hard, and nobody told us. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Sophia Bush. For more, you can listen to our podcast, Work in Progress. I was grateful to be a guest on the show recently. And you can also follow along with Sophia on Instagram and Twitter, at Sophia Bush. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back this Thursday for more. And in the meantime, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast.